So, 2020. What the heck? Right? My goodness. Um, let's see, just as a church, we started off with financial concerns, then we went to a, a, a pandemic. With the pandemic, we got no services, then we had outside services, then we had distanced services, but no, act, uh, no other activities. Then toward the end of the summer, somewhere around mid-August, we began to see a glimmer of hope and we began to talk about how we were gonna begin to bring things back, process. And then a hurricane, Laura. Then we have destroyed buildings and multi-millions of dollars in damage just, just on this property, not to mention our homes and our community in southwest and central Louisiana. Then, okay, we get power back, and we don't get internet back, but we get power back, and another hurricane. And then with that, a lot of fear. What's this one going to do? Uh, everybody made tracks, uh, or most everybody. We weren't taking any chances this time, and after seven hours, folks got to venting. And turned around and came home, right? Some of y'all in here, it was, I think, turned around and made it to Vinton and came home. Nice trip. Uncertainty after that and what's next? And now we're at gym services, parts of a gym anyway, with air conditioning that doesn't work. Thank the Lord it's in the 60s right now at night, so that helps us be a little more comfortable in here. We got six months of rebuild that we're looking at for all of our facilities and it's just October. I swear 2020 has been the longest decade ever and it's not over and it's not, it's not just us, right? It's not just First Baptist Church of Sulphur, it's, it's every church, it's every organization, it's every family, it's every individual. And if there were ever an opportunity and a reason, a reason that a lot of folks would say, yo, I totally get it. If there were ever a reason for a church to lose focus, it's 2020. If there were ever a year that a church said, we're done, we just can't take any more, it's 2020. And yet we can't. We can't lose focus. The repercussions of losing focus are too severe. The mission that we as a church are called to is too great. And our God is too sovereign to lose focus because the world is going to heck around us. We cannot lose focus. And we see from our D group reading last week, see, or, or week before last, this was my pre-Delta sermon. This was what I was going to preach last Sunday, and then I got an extra hurricane to add to it because 2020. 
So this goes back two weeks in our reading to the end of Exodus. Exodus chapter 32. Don't lose focus. We see what happens when Israel lost focus. Look with me, turn with me to Exodus, Exodus 32, chapter, one, uh, thir- chapter 32, verse 1, if you have a copy of God's Word with you. And hear this verse, hear the people, hear, hear the loss of focus. Remember what they have come through, what they have been through. I mean, it's been relatively easy so far. We're not 40 years out. We're a few weeks out from leaving Egypt. And Scripture says, When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And there's a lot of backstory to that verse, and there's a lot of front story. That doesn't work. That's not the opposite of backstory. There's a lot of future story to this. There's a lot that's gone in, on and a lot that will go on, but we can see just from this verse a loss of focus. At this point, they've come out of Israel, like I, I mean, out of Egypt, like I said earlier, the the, the army of Pharaoh chased them. They, they saw the whole Red Sea thing. They, they saw the army swallowed up. They got to the other side. They've been hungry but been fed. They've been thirsty but got water. They, they have gotten everything that they needed. And they get to this point, and God calls Moses up to the mountain and says, hey, it's time for you and me to meet and talk about what the future is going to be for my people Israel. We're going to set down some, some laws. I'm going to tell you how to build the tabernacle. Uh, we're going to set up some things. You're going to get a, a, a section of, of laws that are going to be inscribed for the people to see. And then you all are going to be on your way to the land that I have promised you in Canaan. And he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And if you, if you read back through uh, chapter uh, 24... It seems like even part of those 40 days and 40 nights, or at least prior to the 40 days and 40 nights, Moses was up and down and up and down and went and was told something, he came back and told the people. Went up and told, came back and told the people. Now, in this 40 days and 40 nights, we don't have any indication of an issue in the camp. There, there's not, uh, uh, there aren't arguments that we can see, there's no battle. They, they seem to be doing okay. Moses is just gone, and, and he's not sending uh, emails, uh, email updates. He's not posting on Facebook, me and God, click. Uh, you know, oh, God said this, you know, like we do when we're at conferences, like I do, and I, oh, great quote, and he tweets it out. He, he's not doing any of that, so the people have no idea what's going on, there's, but th- there's no record that there was a problem. And he meets with God for 40 days and 40 nights, and, 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 and let's remember what I talked about two weeks ago, chapter 24, verse 3, and some following verses where the people of Israel made some promises, said, said they'd do some things like, we will do everything that the Lord has commanded, 24-3, 24-7, we will do and obey all that the Lord has commanded, 
Then some of the nobles, the elders, including Aaron, that's important, including Aaron in verse 9, went up, seven, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, seven and seventy of Israel's elders, went up with Moses, and they saw, the scripture says, they saw the God of Israel. God did not harm the Israelite nobles. They saw him, and they ate and drank. They sat down and had a meal in sight, literal sight of God, according to Scripture. And then Moses leaves them for 40 days and 40 nights to go up and to meet with God, to talk with God, to get these things ironed out. And we get to verse 1 of chapter 32. And we see that the people of Israel had lost focus. I count seven different ways they lost focus from God and placed it on themselves. Seven different ways. Self-centered ways is how I'm going to call these. First, they, saw, they, they gained a self-centered vision when they lost focus. A self-centered vision. The entire verse 1 is about the people. The people did, the people saw, the people thought, all the, the people, the people, the people. And it begins with, when the people saw. When the people trusted their own eyes. When the people saw what was going on, or in their case for 40 days and 40 nights, was not going on, then they made some determinations, but they were trusting their own eyes based on their limited knowledge. We'll get to that in a minute. But they had a self-centered vision. They only saw what they wanted to. They only saw that Moses was gone and hadn't come back and hadn't sent word. And so when they saw what they wanted to see, they made some decisions. The problem was that by seeing only what they wanted to see, by having a self-centered vision, they weren't looking through God's eyes. When they saw, it doesn't say when they saw what God was doing or when they saw what, uh, through God's perception or anything like that. And that is what we are supposed to do. We see everything that goes on around us through God's eyes. We see a pandemic. We see a hurricane. We see another hurricane. We should see those things through God's eyes. If it reads for us, if it's a descriptor of what we do, it should read when the people saw as God saw. And then we have a vision, then we have a perspective that is otherworldly, that is above, it is the, 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 the big picture story and not our limited vision, our limited sight story. If we look at it through the lens that God looks at it through, we see him doing something great, amazing, working all things for the good. 
for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is the vision we should have. It was the vision the people of Israel should have had, but they lost their focus when they gained a self-centered vision. The second way they lost their focus was they gained a self-centered timetable. The next phrase, when the people saw that Moses delayed. Well, what was their definition of a delay? How long was he supposed to be gone? When was he supposed to come back? When is it enough time to spend uh, 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 on talking to God on a mountain? When, when are you supposed to end that? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking when God says it's over. Not when Moses or the elders or Aaron or the people say it's done. But they had their own idea of what a sufficient amount of time would be for Moses to be on the mountain. All right, Moses, I can see 39 days, right? Even that's probably a little much. But 40, we got to take things in our own hands now. They were focused on themselves. They had a self-centered timetable. Things are supposed to happen, and we, we, we call ourselves a microwave society, and we are, and we probably would have been done in about three days. He's been gone three days? Well, no, it ain't happening. Forget it. We're moving on. Three days is too long. If God is teaching First Baptist Church Sulphur anything right now, I guarantee you he's teaching us to wait. Who's been praying for patience? It wasn't me. One of y'all, because I didn't do it. But that's, it's not our timetable. I mean, even, even the microcosm of going from mud out, basically, is what we had, water out in these buildings, to rebuild. That's been now, hit me somebody, three weeks, four weeks, since they finished all the clean out and we still haven't started rebuilding. I, that's not entirely true. They're beginning to reconnect our electricity. We're still running on generators on this end and that end because the, they're called weatherheads, is that right? Where the power comes into the buildings, those were ripped off. And so we have to rebuild those completely. They've begun that finally this, the end of this week. Yay. We start paying for electricity again. Hey. But it's not our timetable. It, I, you know, on one hand, I wanted it done quick, and then on the other hand, I'm like, well, let's be careful. But, get it done. but it's, not, it's not up to us. It's not our timetable. We have this idea of what a sufficient amount of time would be. We have this idea of what a sufficient amount of time would be for God to do everything. I've been praying for X number of months, X number of years for this person to be saved, for this to happen, for this to occur in my life, for this to go away, for this ship to come in, for all of these things. I've been praying, I've been praying, and it hasn't happened on my timetable. That's because that's not how life works. It's not our timetable, it's God's. We must, and this is what the uh, people of Israel weren't doing, we must approach life on God's timetable. It's not a comforting verse, really, that says a day to God is like a thousand years. That does not make me feel better. 
But I kind of get it now, right, after living through 2020. It begins to make more sense because 2020 was kind of like a thousand years. And we, we struggle with the idea that things aren't happening quickly enough. And the people of Israel did too. And see where they're going. See where they're leading or where it's leading them. Right? The repercussions of losing focus. In this case, focusing on a self-centered timetable are horrible. They lost their focus. Thirdly, we see self-centered expectations. What Moses had delayed in doing was in coming down from the mountain. They apparently had this idea, Moses was going to go up, tip his hat to God, we're doing all right, you, thanks, and come back down. Not only did their timetable have a shorter amount of time, but they had a certain expectation of what was going to happen when he came down. And he, he delayed in coming, he, de he delayed, it took too long, and then they just expected, come down, let's get on with what we're doing. Far too often, we as a church want to come down and get on with what we're doing, and God is saying, I need to meet with you more. I need you to spend more time with me. It's not about getting on with whatever is next. It's about spending time with me. And, and trust me, it is no easier, as a matter of fact, it is harder for the minister than it is for the people because God is my job. To put it vulgarly, I guess. But it's every, every waking moment almost is thinking about church and ministry and what's next and what we have to do and what the next sermon is going to be about and what the next step now in a rebuild is going to be and what the next ministry is going to be. What about, what's the next outreach opportunity going to be? How are we going to have enough people to give away 6,000 boxes of meat, veggies, and milk in two weeks? Uh, just constantly, it never stops. Sunday comes, in case you didn't know this, every seven days. And I have to be ready every one of those seven days. So it is very easy for me to get lost in the expectation of what is coming next and miss the fact that I need to be spending time with God. But we do that as a church and as individual believers as well. They thought they knew what should be next. The next thing that should happen is Moses should be just coming down the mountain and we get on the road. But they weren't trusting that God had the proper order of how events would go. This ties back into that timetable. They had the idea that it, 40 days was too long, and they just wanted Moses to come down. Just come back. And God had a purpose for calling Moses up there and spending time with him so that Moses could be the leader that the people needed. Well, they've lost focus. And they're going to miss out on the leadership as well because the next point is they traded the focus for self-centered leadership. The next part of the verse, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, they immediately 
on that 40th day decided leadership needs to change. It's time to vote Moses out and get a new pastor, I mean leader. Leadership had to change. This is not working right. He, we have a timetable, we have expectations, and it is, those things are not being met. Aaron, you're the new leader. We just took a vote. So they went to Aaron, and they decided that leadership must change. The reason they thought they just made that decision was because they thought they knew better than God who should lead them. Was Aaron called to be the leader of the children of Israel? This means no, if you don't want to speak out loud. If you want to speak out loud, the correct answer is no. There you go. He was not. Was he Moses' helper? Was he his voice piece, uh, uh, mouthpiece to Pharaoh? Yes, he was all those things. Was he the chief Levite? Yes, he was a great leader in his own right, or at least he had been up to this point. But he was not the leader that God had put in place over Israel. But the people made the decision that God did not know who should lead them, had surely made a mistake because Aaron is here, right? He's right here. And Moses, he's been on the mountain for 40 days, and we don't know when he's coming back. Therefore, Aaron is the better leader than Moses. Aaron is present. Moses is with God. We don't want the guy with God. We want the guy who's right here, the easy one to see. And they had this self-centered idea for leadership because they lost their focus. But it wasn't just the leadership, the human leadership, that they were looking to replace. They also had a self-centered God. Because they said to Aaron, come make gods for us who will go before us. It is not a far leap. Not a big step at all to go from God doesn't know who, our, who should be our leader to maybe we don't want that God to begin with. Because if we can't trust God to put things in our path, put leadership, put, put storms, put pandemics, to put ways out of those ways through those storms, if we can't trust God for those things, then eventually we are going to turn against God himself, and that is what Israel did. See, they wanted a God they could see. That's really what it boiled down to. They wanted this golden calf that they got so they could have a God they could see, and that would, oh, okay, there. Because that's what Aaron says, behold your God, Israel. They wanted something visible, but it wasn't just visibility. It wasn't just self-centered vision that goes back to the first point. It was also control. We can control that statue. We know what that statue is going to do. You know what it's going to do? Nothing. And that's perfect. That means we can pick the statue up and we can move it where we want to. And that means we can all decide what the statue wants us to do on a vote based on the people rather than waiting on God's man to come down from the mountain and tell us. 
rather than waiting on God's plan and God's timetable and his expectations, we can control the statue. See, what they had done was rejected the God of faith and power for a little g God of sight and impotence because that's what they wanted. They didn't want a powerful, controlling God. They lost their focus. And because they wanted, and since they wanted this statue, and it was about sight and control, that leads us to the next point. Self-centered control. Because ultimately, that's what we all want. That's why we're so mad at the hurricanes and the pandemic. And we're mad at the government for making us wear masks, or we're mad at people who don't wear masks, or, or, or whatever we're mad at. We're mad at the things we can't control. And that's when our lives go to mess because things get out of control. Well, how, how are you doing? Oh, things are so out of control right now. Have you ever been in control? I don't think I have. I think I've created a lot of times a, 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 a nice paper mache uh, uh, shell of control, but all, all I did was try to put a hurricane in a, in a, in a paper mache shell. I, 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 and I think that's most of us, if we're honest. It felt like control only because things happened to work out the way we wanted them to. And then we say, whew, I'm in control. And then he got around a two-year-old. Or you had a two-year-old. And you realize, <laughs> control, that ain't no control. Or a pandemic or a hurricane. I mean, you want to see a lack of control, go, you, you, you've all driven down the roads, you know the house next door that had zero damage and, and, and the house right to it that lost its roof or the second floor or had five trees fall on it and the house next door had all their trees fall away. How's your control going? How's it working out for you? It's not. But we love to create the image of control. And so Israel created the image of control. With this statue, the verse says, Because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, listen to how they distanced themselves from Moses. This, I mean, I can almost hear them saying it, see them saying it. this, this, What's his name? Moses. This, this Moses, the, the man who brought us up from Egypt. I mean, it's just, it's dripping with sarcasm and disdain for this man who had to put up with them by God's calling. Let, let's go back to the burning bush just for a second. God, I'm not the guy for this. We, 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 we revile sometimes Moses for arguing with God and saying, I'm not equipped, I can't do it, I don't want to do it. You know these people, I don't want to lead them, I don't want to be the one. And, Mo, and God gets a little angry, which 
you know, totally understand because we're just supposed to say, yes, Lord. But when we read a few chapters on, right, we, oh, <laughs> now I see why Moses didn't want to do it. This Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, they're already beginning to look back at Egypt. Wow, things were better there. Remember how we weren't wandering around? We had homes and spices and meat. Remember how it was so great in Egypt? You remember how slavery was so great? Remember how getting our firstborn sons killed was so great? Remember how wonderful that was? This, now we got Moses, this man, and his freedom and all this other God leading us. They had turned to self-centered control because Moses, they thought, hadn't done what they wanted. But notice what they're doing here. Notice where they are putting the focus, right? They've already rejected Moses' leadership, and in rejecting Moses' leadership, they took that short step to rejecting God's leadership. So now, suddenly, it wasn't God that brought us. Did Moses part the uh, Red Sea? This is no. Did Moses bring the quail? Did Moses bring the manna? Did Moses do anything except what God told him to do? No. It was God that brought him out of Egypt. It was God that was delaying Moses. It was God that was in charge of all this. But they ignored the fact that it was actually God in control. They pretended Moses, they knew the answer. They knew Moses didn't do those things. But they pretended that Moses was in control so they could reject him for this statue. So they could control the statue. It's control. And it's what we do every day. And we call it, a lot of times, faith. If you remember, way, way, way back in like... July. I think that's when it was. I preached a message called When Faith is Disobedience. The whole premise behind that was the fact that, oh no, it's probably further back than that. It was actually it was in Acts. This was, this was further back than July. This was probably last year. It's talking about Paul. When when you step out on faith, but you're you're claiming faith but not listening to God. I have faith that God is going to let me run through this brick wall. No, God set up physics. So that's not faith, that's stupidity. Or I have faith that I can do this because, God's, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can apparently do all things through a verse taken out of context. And I, I can do this, so it's going to work because I have faith. No, faith can be disobedience. So their faith, their idea of who had done this, was their disobedience. They, they were placing their faith in this statue, pretending that Moses was who was in charge so that they can reject it, reject him. There was no faith here. There was just self-centered control. Oh, 
I remembered the point. I had to think about why I brought up that message. Because we get up in the mornings and we say, well, I have faith that I'm going to get through whatever this is I'm going to get through. I have faith that I can do this. And we quickly leave God behind. Oh, God, you got me through A? Thanks. I can handle B through Z on my own. A, I was having a little trouble with. The rest of it, I got. We don't want to trust him with those little things. We don't want to trust him with those little steps. And so we wrest control back from him. Going back to Romans, I've said this before, Romans 12, 1 and 2, if we present ourselves a living sacrifice, the sacrifices don't get off the altar. They're dead. They're done. Now, we are a living sacrifice, but we don't get to get on the altar and say, whoa, that's a knife. Whoa, that's fire. Never mind. Now, we are sacrifices. We are done. We are not in charge. We are not in control. And the people ignored that. They lost their focus. And the last way they lost their focus was self-centered knowledge. I don't think I changed the slide on that, I should say. Yeah, I left it personal. That should say self-centered knowledge. Because they end the verse by saying, we don't know what has happened to him. My response to we don't know what's happened to him is, who cares what you don't know? You're not God. See, they thought they were, pri were privy, or they weren't privy, to every thought, prayer, and detail, and they didn't like not knowing. We don't know what's happened to him. Um, he's with God, and maybe God killed him. And if God killed him, then he's got another plan for you. Or maybe he didn't kill him. Maybe he's just talking to him for a long time. And it's important that Moses spend these 40 days and 40 nights up there with God because y'all don't know this yet, but y'all going to spend 40 years wandering in a wilderness. Moses is going to need this time to prepare him for what's coming. Or maybe he just needs the 40 days and 40 nights to cover the couple of months that it's going to take you to get to the promised land. But it didn't matter what they didn't know, but they thought it mattered. They thought the most important thing at the end of the verse was that they know what's going on. They had the opinion that God should run everything by them first. And we kind of have that opinion too. Well, God, I didn't know that was going to happen. And I kind of envision God going, and... He is not subject to our whims. He is, he is not beholden to us. We don't have to get his agenda day by day and say, now God, you know I don't like persecution. And you also know I don't like hurricanes. I especially don't like a second hurricane after the first hurricane, God. I, can we, we need to scratch this one off. That, no, no Delta. And, and don't forget Beta that dropped a little rain on us. It was just tropical storm or depression when it got here. But still, you know, those, uh, we've had two and a half hurricanes. Uh, no, God. We're, okay, here, here's your adjusted schedule. Here's your adjusted plan. When we get to that point, when we are where 
the people of Israel were, we've lost our focus. They lost their focus. Church, we cannot lose our focus. In the midst of financial struggles, a pandemic, two hurricanes, a six-month rebuild, and like I said, that's just 2020. Y'all remember at the end of 2019, everybody went, Phew. I mean, there are social media memes all over the place January 1st about how we were happy to get to 2020. Y'all just shut up about 2021. Let's just let it come in and let's not say nothing about it. Just say, how you doing? That's it. I mean, just, just let's, let's not really look at it much. Just let it just, just kind of sit back and right, kind of like you would if there was a bear in your living room and you know you can't run. You're like, okay, the best thing to do here is probably just sit quietly and hope nothing bad happens. Let's do that with 2021, please. January 1st, no fireworks. Just, but we can't lose focus. See, we can't even do that because we have a job in 2021, the same job we have in 2020. Every act as a church must be toward making disciples. Friday and Saturday, Amy, how many people did we have-ish? 25-ish? About 30-ish people, Friday and Saturday, went to three homes, two homes Friday morning, two homes Friday afternoon, or we go back to the same homes? I don't know. How many homes did we? 10 homes, 30 people, cleared the land, the, the, the yards, for 10 homes Friday and Saturday. Now, that act wasn't about cutting trees. Now, if you, if you looked at what we were doing, and you checked out the, the scrapes on the arms, and I was going to wear shorts today, but I cut my legs up too bad. It wouldn't have been as pretty, so I wore long pants. But if you looked at what was going on, if you look at the pictures that Amy posted, posted on Facebook, and you just based it on the pictures, you would say everything they did was about getting those trees out of those yards. No. Everything we did over the last two days was about making disciples. For three or four weeks, we had a, a supply distribution from the bus barn, and in two weeks, we're going to do it one more time at least. And if you just stand back and watch, you're going to say, hey, the, the, the purpose of that is to give away stuff. No, the purpose of that is to make disciples. The opportunity to tell somebody Jesus loves them, as uh, Christy did at, at our home, we just want to share the love of Christ with you, and this is our way to do it right now. That's it. Every act, every decision must be toward making disciples. The decisions that your rebuild committee has made and will continue to make over the next however many weeks until this is all done, every decision 
they will make will be based on making disciples. Michael, the paint color doesn't matter about making Yes, it does. Everything we do as a church has an influence on us making disciples. Every word, every conversation that we have as church people in here, outside of here, over the phone, over a cup of coffee, with other church members and with people outside the community, every one of those must be toward making disciples. That's our job as a church. That is our only focus. And as hard as it is right now, our feet are on the rock. We have a shelter in the time of storm. We are who God says we are, then we are disciple makers. Does the world, is the world broken? Do we wish it would be fixed? Yes, but we focus on Jesus no matter what. It's almost like I planned the music this morning to go with the message. Y'all, we cannot lose focus in the midst of all this. It will be so easy to do. Oh my gosh, it would be so easy to do. You don't understand the days because we want to just quit. We cannot lose our focus. We cannot. If I can be selfish for just a minute, your staff needs you to not lose focus. It's our job. It's our calling. It's our ministry. And we want to hold this church up and we will do everything we can and we will expend every ounce of energy we can to do it. All three of your staff members yesterday and Friday were out there lugging limbs and lifting chainsaws. I even saw Amy using a chainsaw in one of the pictures. You're going to get to the part, if we haven't already, where Aaron, uh, where Moses had to hold his hands up in order for the people of Israel to win in battle, to overcome the next obstacle. And after doing this all day, he just couldn't do it anymore. And Aaron and her came and held his arms up for him. They were the supports that held him up. Church, again, I am being selfish and I don't care at the moment. We need you to hold our arms up. Because we can't fight circumstances and fight church members too. We can't fight on two fronts and we shouldn't have to be fighting our church members anyway. We should be able to look behind us at any point in any battle, facing any obstacle, staking on any storm, and see a church family standing with us and behind us. 
and I am begging you to do that. And y'all, of the three everys on here, every act, every decision, every word and conversation, let me tell you that it is your words and conversations that will tear us down quicker than anything else. It's not you not showing up on a Friday or Saturday. It's hearing what's said about us and about our decisions and about how we lead and about wanting different leadership. It's those things that will tear us down and tear this church apart quicker than anything. Do you know what will keep us from doing those things? If we focus on the vision. Let's not lose focus. Let's make disciples. And this morning, maybe you're here and you're not a disciple of Jesus. You don't know what that means or you're watching this video later on because we're not live right now. And you don't know what being a disciple means. I ask you, are you a disciple? It means to be a follower of Jesus. It means to be saved. Let me just explain to you what it means to be saved. You understand that you're a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, there are wages. There, there's something we deserve because of it. And what we deserve is death. But though that is what we deserve, God gave us a gift. The gift of Jesus Christ for our salvation. Even while we were sinners, even while we were rebels, even while we were enemies of God, God proved his love for us by having Christ die for us. And it is for everyone who is listening. You aren't too far away. You, you haven't done too much. You're not too bad of a sinner to be saved by Jesus because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you uh, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you become a disciple of Jesus. That's it very simply, and it is simple. And then your life, your focus for the rest of your life is Jesus. Is God is making other disciples. That's the calling. So how then should you respond today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that we are a church of Aaron's and hers when we are holding each other up. God, I pray that, that in the midst of the, the difficulties, the storms, literal and figurative, God, that we would not lose focus, that we would let the focus on the mission be what guides every act, every decision, and every word and conversation that we have as a church. God, that we would not call for a golden calf, that we would not call for things to replace you, that we would not change from a, a focus on you to a, a focus on ourselves. It would be easy. It is so tempting. And some days it seems like it would be not just easy to do, but the easier life to lead.
God, the, re the repercussions are too severe. The, the mission is too important. And God, your sovereignty is too great. There is nothing that you will call us to that we can't make it through hand in hand with you. Oh, there will be countless things that we can't handle. There is nothing that you can't. Lord, give us the strength to make it through. And God, if there's someone here listening now or, or later on that, that doesn't have that confidence, that they're not a disciple, so they don't have the, 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 the faith to, to make it through these storms, I pray they would have that today. And that, God, you would change their hearts. Lord, change our hearts to see everything we do as making disciples and keep the focus there in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we come to our time of response where if you need to accept Christ, it's a simple prayer. It's not even, doesn't even have the same words or anything for anybody. Just confess, give your heart to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you need to pray about how, your part in holding up our church and moving us forward. And getting us to that next step and through this next obstacle because y'all, once we get everything rebuilt and the pandemic's over, the carpet's down, the walls are painted and, and we're worshiping in the sanctuary, you know what's going to happen? Something bad. And we'll have to get through that. You know what's going to happen after that? Something bad. And we'll have to get through that. And you know who will be there the whole way? Maybe not me, and maybe not you, and maybe it's a whole different crowd and a whole different crew, but God will be there every step of the way, so we cannot lose focus and take it off of Him. So in this time of decision, you do business with God and see what He tells you this morning as we stand and sing.